You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty. Oh, to stimulate your thinking. You're listening. You're listening to Intellectual Erection. Intellectual, intellectual, intellectual Erection. Welcome to another episode of Intellectual Erection with your host Patrick. Today I'm interviewing the bubbly, funny, and creative Nikki Davis Fainbloom. I might have to take a piss before we start. Is that cool? Not allowed. You gotta hold it. Man, but then I'll be less clever. That's the kink, Like, all the neurons will be like, don't (laughs) pee. Nikki came all the way from Brooklyn, New York. She's an original Torontonian, but she's here today to talk to us about sex education, consent, fart kinks, and polyamorous Hasidic Jews who sword fight. So, yeah, stay tuned. You're going to enjoy this one. And just remember, we're still on Instagram at intellectual underscore erection. We're still trying to sell those used panties from Project Panties. They're available online now through our online store, intellectual-erection.square.site. So go out there, support the podcast, the models, sex workers' rights. And as always, like, listen, review, and most of all, enjoy. I'm sitting here today with... Nikki Davis Fainbloom. I'm just going to call you Nikki. Yeah, you got to say Fainbloom every time. <laughs> Davis Fainbloom. Davis Fainbloom. We were trying to figure out a cool name that's that's yeah. like a play on Bloom. Because I need an educator name. I was thinking F Bloom. Well, you could take the D from Davis and the Bloom and just be like Bloom and D. Bloom and D. Sounds kind of old school. Blooming D. Blooming Dale. Yeah, Blooming D. Bloom that D. Bloom that D. <laughs> Make it work for me. So... <laughs> This is a Toronto-based podcast. You are a former, dare I say it, former (laughs) Torontonian. Were you born and raised here? Yes, I was born and raised here. I've been in New York City, specifically Brooklyn, for the past five years, and I'm about to make my, I don't know if it's a triumphant return, but I'm about to, my visa's about to be up, so I'm about to get kicked back to Toronto, which I'm really excited about. (laughs) We get you back. We get our talent back. Yes. Because New York already has too much. They've got a lot. they got too much of a good reputation. Yeah. Is it cool living there, though? Is it as cool? Like, the problem is it really fucking is. (sighs) So it's like, I find... The highs are high and the lows are low, so you never mm-hmm. have like a generic day there. I feel like it's either like the most exceptional, craziest shit you've ever seen, or it's like you're like, I'm all alone, what is the world all about? Like oh, no. people are like literally someone spat on my face last week as I was biking home. What? Why? I don't know. They just saw me. I was like smiling, they didn't like that, and they just <laughs> spat all over my face. Was it a man? It was a man. And oh, then he God. ran away and like looked at me from the other side of the street and waved. Was that his kink? <laughs> I don't know. Like, probably. I'm sure it was something about, like, getting away with things in public. That's fucked up. Like, a weird kind of exhibitionism. Usually the men's like it when you smile. Isn't that their request when they holler on the street? Mm-hmm. That's part smile, of their, their chirping thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Smile. Why didn't you smile? I know. I was smiling pretty hard, but nope. <laughs> I know. Like, the one time. Because <laughs> you, know, you got mad you did it without him asking first. Mm-hmm. You, he didn't like your breach of consent. I know. You I smiled just, like, at him without it. his request. Yeah. All right, cool. Not cool. Well, 
you're here today because you're visiting Toronto. You found the podcast through Instagram. Through, yeah, Andrea. Yeah. And you do a lot through Andrea Warehun, who is... Yeah, is fucking awesome writer of modern. That's what everybody that, that meets and knows Andrea, and they're like, do you know Andrea? I'm like, I know Andrea. Yeah. Like, she's fucking awesome. She's so talented. I just want to meet one person who thinks she's a total asshole. Can I don't I think just, it's going to happen. <laughs> I just want to meet one. I want one person to be like, Andrea is not that cool. She's a total asshole. Because I'm sure people say that about me. They're like, oh, you know Patrick? That oh, fucking yeah, that guy. Fucking <laughs> so that's how, that's how you met. That's how we interacted. Today is our first time meeting. It's great mm-hmm. to meet you in person. It's so nice to meet you in I'm person. glad you, you know, you're, uh, you're not a murderer. Yeah, I'm glad you like made me coffee and let me pee. I, <laughs> I, I love both of those things. So... Why don't we get right down into it? You're here visiting from New York, original OGTO, going to be back soon. Why don't you tell our audience here what you do? Yeah, I would love to. So you're catching me at a very transitional life period. Ooh. Um, So for the past three years, I worked for Mount Sinai Hospital in New York as a consent educator. They have one too? They ha- yeah, they do have one, too. Oh, okay, cool. Apparently no real association. No, okay, um, so it's not a franchise. Not a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. People just like like that the, mountain, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, for the past three years, uh, educated middle schoolers, high schoolers, university students about consent, healthy, unhealthy, and abusive relationships. Uh, I did a lot of workshops on how to support survivors of violence. Um, mostly with the younger peoples. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I recently quit, and it's been really great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine it's, it's, it's not easy going through that. You know, it, it's, it's the same thing when you're, I, when you're volunteering or working with anybody who's going through something, mm-hmm. right? It, it tends to, to get into you. It seeps into you a little bit, so it's hard not to bear the weight of, of other people's issues after a while. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it was really bringing me down in a way that I didn't really realize till I quit, and then I was like, "Woo!" Now I'm like writing octopus erotica. Like, who the fuck knows octopus what I'm doing? Erotica. I'm doing. I have so many, oh so I'm God. trying to do the freelance game. <laughs> no. So I've just gotten like ridiculous gigs. Um, over That's the amazing. Past month. But yeah, my my erotica is like pretty hot. I gotta say, just like it's yeah. a huge, it's a huge fetish. Octopus erotica. Because I think there's just like more orifices than with humans you know in an octopus yeah octopus got mad tentacles bro okay all right you'll see <laughs> Will I? <laughs> like, okay so what i wanted to ask you was how did you become a sex educator and the other thing i was curious about is you said you were teaching like grade schoolers all the way to mm-hmm. university students i presume your workshops are different for those age groups yeah so answer both those questions I simultaneously i just forgot the first one actually <laughs> answer the easy one first ask me this, okay. this one will be easy. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start with the second one mm-hmm. um so you definitely have to shape the workshops based on the age but what i find really interesting specifically in new york is how the same age, depending on what school you're in, they're at very, very different levels. So I would go to both public schools and private schools. Mm-hmm. And private schools, so like the more privileged families, when I'm talking to like the 10th and 11th graders there, their knowledge base is so much higher than when I go to public schools where they just like don't have the vocabulary to talk about their body yet. Do you use the same terminology when you talk to different uh, groups? 
like clitoris, penis, glands, testicles, glands. glands. <laughs> um, so I don't do so much that component of mm-hmm. sex ed. It's more focusing on like bodily autonomy and consent. So yeah. I have answered questions about that because it comes up, but most well, yeah, of it... yeah, like, don't touch my glands. <laughs> yeah, don't touch my glands, bro. <laughs> right? That's... I'm going to get a t-shirt. <laughs> that would be pretty good. <laughs> don't touch my glands. <laughs> um, okay. Right, so then you just have more generalized language about, you know, body parts yeah, and Yeah, I do. And like, whatnot. sometimes we start the workshops... This has, like, both worked and failed miserably. Is like, sometimes we start the workshops by practicing, like, all right, let's all say the word sex together. So we realize that, like, we're talking about sex and we're talking about genitals. Mm -hmm. Because, like, a lot of the consent examples and scenarios we do are explicitly about sex. And for a lot of people, it's their first time talking about sex in an institution. Right, in a public space. Yeah, yeah. most of them have seen porn. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) say penis. Penis. Nice. So would you go with formal words like penis or do you use dick to sound cool? Sometimes I use dick to sound cool, but no, I use penis. Penis? All the time. And all vagina, time. not and vagina. not pussy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the word pussy because it's like you can taste it when you say I it. I know, you're like, <laughs> you're like that nah. pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Yeah, um, so the word, we use vulva more than vagina. Because vulva? Vulva, because wow. vulva encompasses uh, the whole area because technically vagina is just the vaginal opening right so it's the outer right yeah and then the inner the vulva is like more inclusive so the first question that that we skipped over to get to the second one was how did you become a sex educator right um so i actually i've always just found in conversations with people that i'm the most fascinated about their relationships and the sex that they're having so Hmm. from conversations with my grandma to my friends like my whole life i just find it the most fascinating my grandma, by the way, has just started dating a very nice new gentleman, which is kind of exciting. Wow, she has a gentleman caller? Yeah, she's killing the game. Oh my god. Um, he just rented a hotel for her in Vermont, so they're going to spend like their first overnight together. That's amazing. We were talking about it. Um, but I just find it the most interesting. So then in my undergraduate, I ended up doing some work with sex offenders, which is kind of like my first entry into the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at like recidivism rates of sex offenders versus other types of offenders. like Recidivism. Rec- ooh, right. Recidivism is um, if they are, their chances of reoffending. Mm-hmm. Um, after they get let out of jail for a sex offense. So it's actually found that the recidivism rates of sex offenders is relatively low compared to other types of offenders. Mm -hmm. So the chance of them getting caught sex offending a second time is low. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not doing it. So they might just get slicker. Yeah, so this is a a typical problem with statistics, right? Is the interpretation is like, what are we actually seeing here? What is the effect that we're seeing here? Is it like you said, is it that they're actually not offending or is it that they're just not being caught because they're smarter and, and they, they know how to... figured it out yeah. from failing like, the oh, first time. don't sex offend in this way, sex offend in this other way. Exactly. Yeah, that's... that's yeah, and there's research showing that oftentimes sex offenders, they meet in like groups that are aimed at helping them to sort of get better, but then they end up sort of learning techniques from each other and sharing how they sex offend so that they leave with new knowledge of how to do it in a sneakier way, which is like really Uh, fucking problematic. Yeah, yeah, that is. Ew. Ew. But yeah, anyway, so I... (laughs) So, so I did, you, that so was did the that. focus of my undergrad, mm-hmm. and then I moved to New York to do my master's in psychology, um, and my focus was sexuality. I work with this really dope dude, Mike Abrams, who did a lot of work. Um, Any relation to JJ? Nah, not JJ's homie, Good. unfortunately. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I worked with him and he did a lot of research looking at the effect of irrational beliefs on relationships. So specifically beliefs about sex that can impact the type of relationships people have. So for example, if you have the belief like every time I have sex, I must make my partner come. Mm-hmm. Or um, pressure, I pressure. must always be like fucking hard and ready all the time. The effects that these types of thoughts have on the longevity of relationships mm. and that satisfaction in relationships. So under pressure. Do, do, do. So uh, I presume that the effect rate would be such that if one constantly has these sorts of demanding beliefs, that the relationship would not sustain over time because of the amount of pressure. Exactly. That would be the hypothesis going in, and, and was it? That was, was the yeah, hypothesis. That's sort of was found. Yeah, um, but yeah. it's found that if they have a certain type of cognitive behavioral therapy and are able to lower the irrational beliefs, mm-hmm. then they're more likely to have longer, happier relationships. Would the solution possibly be communication? Boom, boom. You got it. Like that's pretty well all I say to the kids all right? the time. Is like, that's can you just fucking figure talk? out how you feel and say mm-hmm. the words to the people about the things? Yeah. Even, and I, I've. I'm still there myself sometimes. Like I preach communication. I've gotten yeah. way better at it. Me and too. I've seen the re- the results. I've seen how good it is because of poly relationships and dynamics, but I still catch myself with those those weird thoughts sometimes, the pressure, especially when you're in a sexual relationship with somebody and you're trying to maintain it uh, the the relationship and you don't want the other person to think less of you. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to to th- to, you know, see all your vulnerabilities you don't want them to think you're insecure especially if you're in a sort of ds dynamic if you're the dom in that dynamic or the top and you have to find ways to ask your questions like uh you know what what's working for you here what's pleasurable how can this uh, help make you come is coming really important to you do you just want to have an experience you know Mm -hmm. it's a it's a lot of talking and sometimes you're just like ah you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have the spoons to have this conversation right, right now, or I'm too mm-hmm. embarrassed, and it still yeah. happens, so it's 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 not easy. I feel like for me, I still have trouble with it, but like five years ago, it would be like someone was like three inches away from my clit, and I'd pretend it felt good instead of being like, hey, here's my clit, like, this, <laughs> this is what you need to be doing. Yeah, or you're like, moaning away, they're like, yeah, I haven't like, started yet. like, this is my elbow, actually. <laughs> That's my elbow. <laughs> Isn't that where the clit is? Yeah, bro, you know. Vulvas. Volvos. Volvos and shit. The Volvos. Volvos. So that is how you got into sex education. Yes. Volvos. The Volvos. And one quick side question, Mm -hmm. if you want to answer this, this is the origin question. Yeah. (laughs) Because nobody who's in your line of work is in it out of sheer curiosity. Mm -hmm. It's usually because they're in the (laughs) the sex positive communities. So if you want to dive into your origin story, I usually ask kind of where this might have started for you at what point in your life, maybe you, uh, during your you know puberty, sexual awakening or something, you, I don't know. Do you remember mm-hmm. anything far back like that that, that triggered maybe a, uh, an interest in, in sex positivity? Or was it much later? So, honestly, I think only fully in the past few months do I feel um, comfortable and like I'm in, I'm fully in the community because um, I've had a lot of interesting new experiences since I quit my job. And I've always been sex positive. I've always been very non-judgmental, but most of my relationships ended up being like fairly monogamous or like slightly open. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's only recently 
that I've sort of spent the time to think about it. And honestly, I'm still processing exactly like what my ideal relationship is mm-hmm. um, because I feel very comfortable in places like sex parties and doing erotic literature and stuff, but I don't yeah. know exactly where my place is yet, if that makes sense. Well, you don't have to know your place. I, I, I think that's uh, that's good that you're still processing and that like it's a, it's still adventurous, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But if, if there was, usually there's some kind of answer that people give me about something that happened way back when, like mm-hmm. when they're first, you know, had their first sexual experience or when they were much younger during puberty that they realized that their sexual proclivities might be a little bit more divergent mm-hmm. than their peers. Although Andrea Warehan seems yeah. to think that we're all unique in that way, which I, I don't disagree with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just that I end up interviewing, I'm biased. I interview the people who are very, you know, like right. slutty, talk about open. You're yeah. like, you want to talk about yeah. sex? I'm yeah. here, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm hearing all these cool, unique stories. I, I, yeah. haven't, I don't have the stories from the gen pop. That's fair. Yeah, so I think... For me, I'm sex positive and non-judgmental, but I don't know if I personally am necessarily like super slutty in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe my desires might be more towards the norm other than that I love talking about sex and communicating and educating people. Nice. Okay. So maybe you are... You are I'm boring. You, you, well, you're definitely not boring <laughs> when, you're, when you're writing octopus erotica, educating all sorts of groups of people on, on sex and studying rates and vulvas <laughs> and the beliefs, the pressure beliefs. So if that's what you do, you're moving away from Mount Sinai in New York, mm-hmm. not our local one, yeah. to doing more freelance writing? Yeah, I'm doing a lot of freelance writing and I'm looking into doing freelance education. Actually, the place that you're donating the panties to, Maggie's, Right. I've been talking to them about potentially working to do a sort of trauma-informed lecture for sex workers. Okay. So I'm, I'm donating money, not the panties. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might not. The, the money from the sales of the panties, which, yeah. Yeah. So you're going to be doing a workshop there. Potentially, potentially, if the timing works out, okay. yeah. That'd be nice. That'd be fun. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So tell me what uh, what kind of freelance writing you do. Tell me about some of the stuff that you write. Yeah, for sure. So I've been doing, basically when I find someone interesting, I interview them, and then I try to figure out how to incorporate it. So I was in New Orleans a few months ago, and I met this really interesting fellow who was uh, aroused by farts, and we like had mm. Kava together, and then we just did this like fascinating interview where he told me his whole story about how he's able to incorporate his fetish into relationships, and how much like shame he felt about it and stigma, and how only recently he's sort of come to accept it and love that about himself, and actually find it really interesting that the whole world doesn't accept what he's into. Right. Um, and he was mentioning he messaged me a few days ago that he's about to go camping, and like he got his partner. Um, all this food that will make her really gassy so they'll have like an extra good time wow. and I thought that was really sweet um, and I last week I interviewed so wait, oh yeah sorry I got, I got definitely questions yeah, about yeah. this this is really curious to me because I've never encountered somebody who's into, into the fart stuff I don't know if, how much you asked them about this and the intimate details of it but I'm curious Lots. whether oh wicked I'm curious whether it's more like the, the sound or the, the vibration or the smell or just like the, the taboo like the raunchiness of it maybe it's a combination of these things mm-hmm. did he explain like where he did. Yeah. so he started with his origin story which is a lot better than my origin story oh. which is that um, he remembered in I think 7th grade he was walking up the <clears throat> stairs and he sees this like very beautiful girl in a dress 
and she randomly like turns really red and then like runs away and as he's continuing up the stairs he smells this like really intense dank stink Mm -hmm. and he said that he fought an erection the rest of the day and part of that was because of like the juxtaposition of like a beautiful attractive woman and then Mm -hmm. something that's kind of like the most intimate thing for him is like farting which is something that you wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable doing around people so it's something about that combination that he found really fascinating for him Hmm. Uh, but he said like he definitely doesn't get aroused by his own farts I asked him that he's like it's only a certain person that he'd be attracted to anyway Mm -hmm. so we did the analogy of like you might really love getting cum all over your face in a sexual interaction but like if that happens to you on the street you're like really fucking disgusted right so it's like only with like intimate partners that he enjoys it and he said he's never found a partner that finds it arousing but he's had partners that find it funny so they'll Mm -hmm. kind of just do it because they kind of like how crazy it makes him (laughs) so that's kind of like the way he's integrated it was like they'll do it because they know he likes it and because it's like funny that's cute i mean it must suck that that it's difficult to find somebody who's into it on you know from their end yeah. as, as the giver of farts fart giver yeah right. i'm sure if i don't know if this person would be interested in like a a, a dom you know because mm-hmm. with uh with a, i'm assuming he's interested in women so like a yeah. femdom farting would probably be more interested in doing that to him but under i, I probably under a form of humiliation play which i don't again mm-hmm. i don't know if he's interested I think, in that i think he is interested in that broadly but for yeah. him yeah, he's trying to navigate how to do it. Hmm. Um, hopefully That's pretty cool. I've, I've, I would have loved to have an interview with this person. I would, yeah, I would yeah. definitely have so many questions. That's I can, really I can hook you guys up. Amazing, that'd be great. Yeah, he's would I have to travel to New cool. New Orleans. New Orleans, the New best Orleans. fucking city in the world. I keep hearing that. Dude, and I should it's, go. It's true. I should go to it's New a good York. Reason. And, yeah, or New York. All of them. I got a floor you can crash on. Floor, <laughs> how generous! <laughs> There's no space. <laughs> I hear, I hear New York's tight. Yeah. Okay, that's a that's fucking cool. So you really went all the way there to talk to this person? No, no, no. I just happened to meet him oh, at a you... Kava cafe, and because how did I... you start talking about <laughs> farts? <laughs> Was the Kava causing so, you? As a sex educator, you oh. get very, very interesting interactions with people because usually the first question people ask you is, "What do you do?" Hmm. And I'm like, "I'm a sex educator," and then people feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. Lots of things, and I also feel like I create a safe space where people share more than they normally would right. with me. Yeah, I've so much shit. But yeah, so somehow he was like, I, I'm into stuff, but I don't want to talk about it at the Kava Cafe. Let's go sit by the Mississippi River and you can interview me. I have like a two hour recording of our interviews. <laughs> that is fucking amazing. Yeah. I should go out and, and, and fish a little bit like that yeah. for humans fish for farts fish for uh, fish and for falls fish and for falls <laughs> amazing so you were about to start a, a secondary another story after this one you told me there. one about the the, uh, so the there, hasidic, uh, hasidic oh yeah the hasidic polyamorous jew. fellow jew yeah. which was fascinating um hasidic polyamorous jew yeah that's amazing so i guess the hasidic implies the jew yeah there was some third word i had there sword fighter hasidic polyamorous sword fighter so he goes to there's a bar that i attend every single night and he brings these swords um so people can just practice fighting and he's really good i've tried it a few times so you'll always see him like he's dressed up in the full gear Mm -hmm. um chilling with his swords living the polyamorous lifestyle that Um, is like the the most 
interesting he's so fascinating combination i've heard of because every time like you you picture a hasidic jew and you're thinking mm -hmm. somebody who's you know very stern and has their their belief system and they're relatively withdrawn from like popular society and like the things that we're interested in because they have a very faith-based yeah. you know lifestyle exactly because he fully believes in god yeah, yeah um and he knows that god doesn't want him to be polyamorous or he believes that hmm. um but but he's able to sort of balance it because he realizes that for him to be happy he needed to be polyamorous and he does everything else like he keeps shabbat he won't turn the lights on and off or use his phone during the so sabbath is, is he is he polyamorous or polygamous polyamorous okay so he has is he married he's not married no okay, so um, he just has multiple relationships he's just or, okay. and he's okay with like concurrent multiple relationships um awesome. and his family accepted him which i really don't think if he was a woman i don't think that would ever ever happen so i think like right. because of he has the privilege of being a male right that right. they've eventually i'm sure it was really really hard for him mm -hmm. um like he talked through some scenarios of where his parents found out that he was seeing women because how it works in the community that he's part of is that um really young you're supposed to get married and it's sort of arranged so right. his parents arranged meetups with him and a few different potential suitors and he rejected all of them um, or took them all <laughs> or took them all <laughs> right no for some reason he says he prefers to date non-jews because then there's only one sin happening instead of two so what? then like his partner wouldn't be <laughs> doing a sin i was like like logically it kind of makes sense i love i love this guy <laughs> he's fucking amazing i should give you his information too absolutely he's just like and so well spoken and articulate and just mm. like really nice guy wow that's pretty awesome. <laughs> One <Yeah>. sin, <laughs> you know. He's got and the yeah. He's got the utilitarian logic working exactly. for him there. All right. Um, All right. And another recent article I did was about um, this polyamorous household in Bushwick, which is the area I live in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a polyamorous household. So how household. it works is they have educational events and sex parties downstairs, but the top floor they rent out apartments to polyamorous individuals. Mm -hmm. um, so I went there and I interviewed someone named Kenneth Play, who y'all should look up. He's really fucking cool. So he's one of the leading squirt experts in the world what, what experts squirting squirt expert squirt expert so he gives I workshops i furrow my brow are you furrowing direction. i'm furrowing and i'll tell you why after okay um oh wait i want to see the furrow though there we go yeah so now it's going to turn into a scowl <laughs> <clears throat> um but he gives workshops about squirting mm -hmm. and he's just like does a lot of educational events so i interviewed him about he's one of the founding members of the hacienda house so about how he got into the scene and that kind of stuff. I also attended my first sex party there. Ooh. So it's pretty interesting. So this gentleman runs these workshops and he's polyamorous. Mm -hmm. uh, how many people live in his household or what's the poly dynamic there? I don't know exactly. I think it's about maybe 15 to 20 apartments. Oh, okay. Like, Okay, sorry, I pictured like one family. No, no, no. Okay, it's so like it's a multiple. large mansion-esque yeah. place. It's a really cool spot. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so my, my furrowing yeah. brow situation. <laughs> okay, so here's my skepticism. When mm -hmm. I hear of a guy teaching yeah. women squirting, about their bodies. Yeah, workshops, it's a, it's a flag bordering on red. Just because, A, I've learned how to do it, and it's basically a technique. Mm -hmm. it's, it is teachable, but it's not for everybody. It depends yeah. on your body and your comfort level and all that. And I would not feel comfortable 
and I've seen guys do this. I've seen guys do this at the sex club. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, you want to squirt? I'll show you how to squirt. Like, oh, I'm, I'm good at... And I'm like, ah, oh, just don't. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't want to be the, the type of person to offer somebody that as though it's an opportunity for them. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm like, I got it's, this good sales pitch. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a technique. I, I've learned how to do it. Mm-hmm. You, I would do it if somebody asked me or like if I'm playing with that person. Yeah. But to try to capitalize on that technique and, and kind of like sell it or teach it feels like a little sleazy to me just because it's not that fucking difficult to learn. It's really mm-hmm. isn't. It's just you put your hand in one position and you work from the shoulder or the elbow and not the wrist and you're halfway there. The rest is just about comfort, is about putting that person in, in the right space. mindset. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm. I feel like I've been trying to figure out how to do it my whole life. Yeah. So I wouldn't be opposed to having someone of any gender teach me if, even mm-hmm. if it's just the technique. And I think he does beyond the tech. I hope he also does sort of like aftercare and like right, how right, to create right. a safe space. But I do hear what you're saying. Yeah. Like I, I'm hoping that this is just like a, a like a great guy who somehow yeah. found a way to do this, uh, you know, ethically. Yeah. And, and, I think he yeah. is, but okay, I do okay. understand exactly why. Yeah, you're yeah. Because I picture, I picture yeah. some guy who's just like, I just want to, like, I, I want to touch vaginas yeah. and like, and how do I do it? Well, yeah. I, I know this one technique because I learned it, and now I'm gonna yeah, like it sell it as this like, yeah. Plus, like, also, like, polycommunes and things like that, you know, they can be great or they can be culty. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, if the leader of said house is a man, it's another thing that I've, you know. Potential. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. like, I'm seeing cultiness. Yeah, I'm no. seeing, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. isn't always the case, but, I yeah. totally see why but you, you know, would respond the way, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, welcome to my house. It's yeah. a poly house. We throw sex parties and I finger women and it's, uh. I totally know yeah. why you'd say that, but it's not that, but I totally <laughs> okay, 100% see. Okay, I should, just, I should just check out this, this, uh, yeah. this person and, and not talk shit because I don't know them. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not, there's I'm not no, talking shit because I don't know them. flags, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. There, there aren't in this house, but yeah. Very words. cool stories, though. These are these are amazing things. I yeah. uh, I'm jealous because now it, I feel like I should you gotta be, come to New I York sh- and chill. Yeah, I should be out there more. You know, seeking 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 people. Yeah, I also went to an interesting event where uh, the sex educator Lola Jean broke the world record for the most ejaculate squirted in 30 seconds. That was pretty fucking epic. So Lola Jean. Lola Jean has the current world record holder. And I watched her do it. So she like went on stage and had like this huge bucket underneath her and just somehow. So she taught me this, that ejaculating and orgasming is different. So she didn't orgasm, but she immediately was able to ejaculate all this fluid. Mm -hmm. And then she auctioned it off to like people. And it was a a whole event. Was this for the most amount by weight or was this for the, the furthest squirt? It was by weight. So I think it ended up being like a liter and something. Because I've I've seen a squirt show that was distance distance, and I think that that said person might be applying for a Guinness World Record. Interesting. No, it is it is unlike what it's like a garden hose, and like it goes a few feet, huh? It's a it's a distance. I like a salt like yeah, it's a solid distance. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, further than we are. So it'd be uh, it'd be maybe I don't know like. I don't want to exaggerate, but yeah. maybe like five, six feet. Oh shit! Maybe more. Maybe wait. more. Yeah. I wait. I, I don't know what I'm talking feet. about. Maybe, maybe like eight meters. feet. Five, six meters. No, that's really far. Yeah. Maybe like eight feet. Let's do that. Okay. Eight feet. Eight feet. It's yeah. a lot of feet. That's a many feet. Yeah. That's more than seven feet. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So Lola Jean, that's weird because uh, there's a person at Oasis who goes by that same name, but it's not interesting. Can't be the same person. No. No. 
It wouldn't be. Wouldn't uh, be. Interesting. So you went and interviewed this person as well? Or you uh, just no, I just happened to be at the event. Oh. So I Did you shared. see the I sh- the I show? saw the show. Wow. So it must be a very precise shot if it's going all into one bucket. Yeah, it didn't really squirt out. It mostly squirted down. Oh, so it's like a flood. It was more floody. Oh, so it's like a but waterfall. But there was like waterfall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so this is cool. Those would be two interesting uh, world records. Right? Yeah, and different. Like yeah. The, yeah, the most amount and then like the furthest shot. Yeah. Okay, so I've not seen the most amount, but I've seen yeah. the furthest shot. All right, we got to swap lives for a minute. Yeah, I want to see that. I think distance might be cooler to see. It's more it, like epic. Well, I, I heard of somebody who can who can squirt so precisely they could do it into a shot glass from a distance. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be a world record too. Probably. Yeah. Precision, Precision. distance, weight these are all awesome yeah i wish i could do any one of those things me too <laughs> get Maybe there we should apply to kenneth play we should get him <laughs> to teach me what's up can he make men squirt uh like ejaculate or no s- men can squirt men can squirt yes they can <gasps> where does it come out of their bladder it well i think so i think all of it comes out of the same general area but it's yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. Oh, do you... That's another thing you can speak on, because you wrote an article on squirting, mm-hmm. okay? So you might be able to, to clarify, because a lot of people, I'm sure, have the typical questions. Is it pee? Yeah. Answer, it's a little bit pee, but mostly exactly. not. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly It's a answer. little bit yeah. pee. It's, it's like diluted pee mixed with some pee. other yeah. stuff. Yeah. Fun fact check. So just a little bit of info about vaginal squirting. It is made from prostatic fluid, which also contains water, glucose, creatine, and a very small amount of urea, which is, yes, a little bit of pee. And it comes from the skein gland. It's spelled S-K-E-N-E, and it's located close to the G-spot, surrounded by the urethra. During sexual stimulation, the gland fills up with fluid and is released when they gush. So the skein gland is where the squirt comes from and this was tested by a woman who ate a lot of asparagus one night and then squirted smelt the squirt the squirt did not smell like asparagus then went to pee smelt the pee and of course the pee smelt like asparagus so the conclusion the squirt juice is not pee just a little bit just a pinch of pee with prostatic fluid from your skein gland not your bladder and does it feel like peeing? Um, I. That's a good question. I've heard that it kind of does, but it's also I like think it could be like a but, really fucking epic. But pee. it's a distinction. Yeah, so a distinction. from my personal experience, I've only squirted once, and it's kind of a unique time because it was the first time I ever masturbated, and really? I haven't been able to fucking do it again. I'm really How, annoyed. Wait, first time you masturbated ever? Like the first time I masturbated to completion, the first time I orgasm. So it was a simultaneous was, how old were you? squirt orgasm. I think squirt-gasm. I was squirtgasm. I was probably about seventeen. The first time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I'm trying to make up for last time here. Oh, good. But, good. But I haven't been able to do it again. And for me, it felt nothing like Pete. It was just like the most epic, beautiful, like fucking insane experience ever. But Did, it felt like a release. Which was, is this a, was this a digital stimulation or toy? Toy. Toy. Vibrator. Oh, just on the... okay. Just so on you, the clit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which is not typical of most squirters. I, that's the thing. The, I think the... I've seen... I've seen uh, 
different kinds of, of, of squirting. So I've seen people yeah. who do just the, the technique that the manual technique that yeah. when you have somebody else use their hand is is always internal that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the, the vibration style on the on the clitoris and I've also seen somebody who can squirt with no touch. That's fucking amazing. Yes. Just with their brain? just with their being so turned on by something they can do it so that's the stimulation of of a beard on this person's bum zoe bell who was on the show who squirted into a pair of the um, uh, intellectual erection panties she can by just feeling what she really loves which is a beard on her bum can squirt and she's done it with incredible yevgenia uh, who was on the show she does like transcendental orgasms with like energy stuff and she's been able to make her squirt with no touching at all just through uh, energy manipulation or the, the the kind of work that she does. That is so cool. So yeah, so there's wow. ma- I think there's many avenues yeah. for squirting. I think for for men it's much more difficult, and I I think there's just a lot less information out there hmm. about how it works. I and feel like it would need to be prostate syndrome. It is, yeah. yeah. So from from the limited knowledge I have of it, I mean I've never done this, mm-hmm. but have you ever seen it? I have. Yeah, wow. and I think the person who was experiencing it said that for men it's a lot more like pee than for for uh, you know, or rather for I should say this for people with penises and prostates it's a mm-hmm. lot more like pee than for people with vaginas. Fun fact check number two: in an article called "Male Squirting: Analysis of One Case Using Color Doppler Ultrasonography." They report that having no scientific evidence for the mechanism of male squirting, although the term being popular in mass media, they've decided to set up an experiment for recording of a male squirting using color Doppler ultrasonography. And they discovered that in male squirting, urine in the bladder gushes out from the external urethral orifice due to strong contraction in the prostate and pelvic striated muscles. So if you have a penis and a prostate, you can also squirt, but unlike vaginal squirting, which has a little bit of pee, penile squirting is mostly pee. Comes from your bladder. You're peeing, but it's a good time. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to look into that. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Add it, add it to your article. Yeah. Update. By Update. the way, <laughs> if you have a penis, you, you might also yeah. be able to squirt. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that'd be that'd be a fascinating uh, episode where we could Would just be. talk about squirting. Yeah, there's a lot to say. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to, to add about squirting from your article? Something that people usually ask or some, some cool information that you... Can you teach yourself to do it? Um, the jury's still out. Mm. And can everyone do it? It's like you not necessarily. There's no actual studies on that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you said, the technique that you described can make a lot of people squirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there are some people that may have not had that specific technique, so they might not have yet squirted. And then after they experience the technique, they learn that they're How able to, to squirt. Yeah. And then from that, they can do it themselves or do it with other partners once they sort of figure it out. Yeah. I think from from what I've seen, the majority of people can, with vaginas, can mm-hmm. squirt, and the there's actually only, in my experience, a minority who cannot, and that mm-hmm. might be for a variety of reasons. Just like there's a bunch of people who who cannot come. Yeah. Or exactly. you know, uh, I was talking to to somebody else about um, the idea of uh, vaginismus 
right where the pelvic floor tightens and you just you're dry and you're not able to experience pleasure there's there's a whole bunch of reasons why it might not happen so i think if i had to venture a guess without any knowledge whatsoever yeah i would probably say that that in most cases it's possible mm-hmm. yeah but there could be a lot of psychological or physiological barriers to prevent one from being able to experience that just like orgasms just like all sorts of difficulties that people can experience psychologically or physiologically yeah i completely agree with that yeah. i think yeah, the vast amount of people can, but some, as you said, biologically might be incapable of it. And yeah. then psychologically, you need to be able to be in the right relaxing mindset. Yeah. For it that's to that's a huge part of it, because if uh, if you speak to and you probably have to people who, who do squirt mm-hmm. is that sometimes you just can't. You yeah. can't be there mentally. And that's just like orgasming, right? Like you cannot yeah. you orgasm on command. You can't do it if, if you're being pressured, uh, probably not always but it'd be harder to yeah if you're not in the right mindset it can it can fuck your shit up exactly i like that yeah academic <laughs> language over yeah. here can fu- that was in your master's, master's thesis degree. <laughs> it can fuck your it shit up. up yeah <laughs> perfect i love it Me too. so you have all these wonderful stories and you what do you write for so I write for um, this magazine, Bush Money. <laughs> I write for, for money. money. So I'm always looking for new opportunities if anyone needs some words. Um, but I currently write for Bushwick Daily, which is like a neighborhood newspaper in the area I live in in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I work for this place called White Unicorn. Uh, and I do intermittent articles for a variety of other people. I just got hired by fuckbook.com. Fuckbook? To, yeah. Is that legit? It's fucking legit. Look it up. Okay. Um, so I, I, th- I think I remember like back in the day there were ads for this thing called Fuckbook and it was like a total scam. So I'm, it's a different thing. I. Th- it was like a site for having sex with people. That randomly. is what it's for. Uh, oh, so it's not a scam. I don't know. They're it's giving me a lot of money to write their blog. So All right. I assume well, that they have it's a real. Blog? Okay. Yeah. And I think the idea is... What I like about it is that mm. it sort of gets the audience that I feel like needs my education the most. So it's mostly like 18 to like 30 year old heterosexual males yeah yeah um the kind that spit on you when you're riding exactly so the kind that really need to like learn about consent and like (laughs) sex and stuff so i'm really happy about that that's really good yeah Yeah. because that's that's who i imagine clicking on an ad for fuckbook exactly (laughs) like this sounds great yeah no i remember these ads it was like it's like fuck somebody in your neighborhood now yeah (laughs) i'm like yeah good luck yeah i've used the computer before no thanks I don't want your Trojans. Yeah. Um, so it might not be that much more legit than that. But they do have a blog, so maybe... Well, if they have a blog and they're paying you money, just Yeah, take they're it. probably a thing. I'm going to take it. I don't really need the D. I need the... C? No, money. Oh, the money. Damn it. <laughs> Come on. I was thinking like Clint. I don't know. <laughs> You're supposed to say in a high-pitched voice like, money, money. Close enough. I fucked it up. Yeah. No, going back. It's irreparable. We're going yeah. to have to, have to start delete again. this episode. The <laughs> whole thing. Okay. So in your experience, so from everything you've done, mm-hmm. sex ed, writing, meeting odd people with really odd and interesting stories, do you, give me a good story. You got to have a good story. Maybe it's funny. Maybe it's cautionary. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, I know you've been telling stories this whole time, but. But a fresh story. Okay. Let me think. Let me think. Yeah. More stories. More stories. So there have been just really very problematic beliefs that people have that 
came up like throughout my whole time um so i remember this one really cute little kid i think this was a grade seven class who came up to me and he had like tears in his eyes and he was looking at me and he was like is it true that if i masturbate my hand will fall off and he was holding up his hand towards me and i could tell that he genuinely believed that his hand would fall off and i think that just shows how natural masturbating is that like he did it thinking that his hand would fall off but he was like this just needs to happen and just like the do you think he learned that from his parents or something yeah. yeah so it was a certain area in queens that is very religious and i think he learned from his parents that like yeah and i think there i don't know have you heard of other myths about masturbating i know there's some crazy shit yeah there's people. the there's the like hand the the hair growing on your palm going blind yeah, those are going the ones blind. that those are the ones that i heard in pop culture but never personally never in real life what I've heard personally is that, oh, if you masturbate, it will ruin your sexual appetite for, for sex. For real people. Yeah, for real people. You become obsessed with masturbating and not be interested in sex. You'll mm-hmm. become a deviant. You'll go down a porn hole and become, that's more to do with porn, though. Yeah. Uh, that you'll become, become addicted, addicted to porn. Or, yeah, and then you won't be sexually satisfied by anything. There's the myths that it drains you. Right, so yeah, you, don't have you have energy less to play. seed for yeah. making babies. Yeah, or yeah, or you could go exactly. You could go. You could become impotent, or you could become infertile, or it's not good if you do it before any important events, or if you play sports. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is I all. I find it's yeah. good to do it before an important event. I'm like more on point if I masturbate first, because then you're like on the zone. You know. Yeah, you're just like you're clear headed. Yeah, distracted. Did you say? Yeah. <laughs> nice. That works. That works. Like, don't touch my glands. Don't touch my glands. <laughs> Don't touch my glands, We're going to make that shirt. <laughs> That's going to be so good. What is a glands? What is a glands? Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there have been also really problematic um, thoughts about consent. So mm. people thinking that, for example, like male identifying people always want to have sex. Mm-hmm. And that just like very heteronormative thinking that women are the gatekeepers. Yeah. And but people that genuinely believe that or people that believe that there's no situation where like people wouldn't feel comfortable saying no so a lot of what we do in the workshops is thinking about why might someone not feel comfortable saying no but maybe they don't enthusiastically want to have sex with you um and that goes into like a lot of the way trauma affects the brain and all that stuff and i think a lot of people just aren't exposed to that type of information no, it's true, and it, it's it's very difficult to to reject somebody, right? It's so it's hard, hard to, to do it. I was watching a, a scene the other day at uh, at a sex club at o- at Oasis, mm-hmm. and there were these uh, two women, and one of them was topping the other mm-hmm. in a scene with with a bunch of tools, and there was a guy there who asked to watch. And I hadn't seen him before at the club. He looked like fresh face. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there, and he's just being kind of a bro. And I'm watching from a distance. I'm just yeah. like, ah, it's making me uncomfortable. So I can yeah. imagine, like, the, the women there. So he's standing, he's like, yeah, yeah that's fucking hot. Oh, I'm like, don't talk no. during someone's scene. And then he's just making all these comments. And then he walks up after they're done their scene. Yeah. And he's talking to them. He's like, oh, that's cool. And then the, uh, the bottom, who's still tied down, he goes and touches her back and he's like, oh, what's that? Where, like, she had scratched. Uh, so problematic. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. don't fucking touch somebody's bottom. Without don't touch consent. that person. They're like, they could Especially be. Especially if they're bound. Yeah. Like, he was, he was gentle and he was, like, cautionary enough that he was just on, like, treading the problem line with his foot heavily on the problem side mm-hmm. that 
the the women didn't say anything they were just like politely ignoring him so they were not looking at his face right. they were they were trying to have a conversation through his talking yeah. so all the fucking Subtly signs suddenly showing please fuck off all the fucking signs this yeah. guy didn't even seem drunk or anything he's just like being oblivious to all the no's Social cues. not making eye contact yeah. they're talking to each other about a conversation about what they're gonna do he's yeah. barging in with questions and they're, they're answering yeah, yeah quick like one or two word answers yeah. and then going back to their conversation He's standing over them. He touched the 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 bottom's collar. I'm like, that's another no no. You no. don't do that you in don't a you don't enter somebody else's that. DS relationship and like and mess with that. And then And he didn't ask, he just did it. He's he's like he was using the 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 touch and go approach where right. it's like hey what's this and touching and like showing like what, when he did with the back it's yeah. like oh that's a cool collar as he touches it so it's like really fucking problematic yeah and that scene it's really it's yeah it's and it was just so cringy to watch and these he's just hanging around there and literally hovering over them as they're sitting and talking they're trying to do their like their debrief their debriefing their mm-hmm. their uh, aftercare and he's just hovering over he's like what are you guys doing after where are you going after this like oh we're going straight home we're beat we're bushed we're blah blah yeah. blah and before one of them goes he's like oh here can I give you a kiss and then she's just like reluctantly she's like okay just one mm-hmm. or no he has to spank her too and uh. he's like yeah just one like just get the fuck out of here yeah. was the message and it's like what I don't understand is did he not notice their subtle signs because he was so like just wanting to see what he wanted to see or I think like, he's just of the mentality like like most uh, cis hetero mm-hmm. men the heteronormative mentality is that if you persist you might actually obtain yeah so persistence persistence is key that's their idea and the problem is that even if you practice that mentality of the persistence game it does it often doesn't work out so statistically you can see how many times you fail but you have one win and exactly. then you just count your wins. You're like, wow, this. If it worked once, then that means more persistence next time. Totally, but it so, also depends yeah. on like what it means if it worked, right? Because someone yeah. might give in because you asked them seven times, <clears throat> yeah. and they're either scared that you're going to do it anyway, or they're worried about something else. Right. They might say yes, and yeah. technically you'd have sex or have some type of encounter, but it seems like they're likely not like enthusiastically enjoying what's well, the, happening. This is why it's, uh, why enthusiastic consent is important, right? Because you don't. Hopefully, if you're mm-hmm. an ethical, empathetic human person, you don't want to coerce somebody into doing something with you that they don't find enjoyable mm-hmm. or that they might regret later on. I know a lot of people probably don't think that way or mm-hmm. some people don't some think people that don't. way. Yeah, and it, and it sucks because that's how you get people to... to to back out of communities, to back out of play, to back out of relationships, to have traumatic experiences. So it's really ugly. And it's just seeing that, especially in that setting, in like a sex club where people are, are there to, to to have their scenes, to have their, they're inside of, a, of the dungeon part of it. Yeah. Right? So, and he heard the rules at the beginning walking in, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It, I think there, there needs to be a little bit more education, especially around BDSM scenes. That's... Yeah especially a place that you don't want to interrupt the scene with with verbiage and your and your inquiries and your oh that's fucking hot can i touch can i spank you once like no it's not your fucking scene scene. yeah bro bro (laughs) bro bro i was gonna say something but then i didn't want to be that that person either to intervene i was like they can handle it on their own like these they're you know they're fully grown women they can handle it on their own and the problem is he wasn't being 
too too much mm-hmm. he was just like, like right on that yeah line. yeah i feel like it's really hard when you're a bystander to know when it would actually be helpful for you to intervene or right. where it might actually be more helpful for you to trust that they have it right because yeah. yeah. i feel like it could have gone either way they could have been thankful or they could have been like now there are two people interrupting my scene like yeah because it, it was it was really like yeah it was ambiguous for for a little while mm-hmm. and i yeah i didn't want to interrupt as well i didn't want to turn it into something else because it just wasn't it wasn't awful it was just cringy and they were just hoping he'd go away so I was hoping to I'm sitting by there I'm like okay is he gonna go away is he seeing the signals you know so yeah and I don't know sometimes if I'm annoyed I don't know how to finesse things so I might blurt out something fucked up stop (laughs) yeah Uh, but I think in in the right mentality I should have said something like excuse me but it's it's not appropriate for you to interrupt a a BDSM scene mm-hmm. with even questions or language or touching and that's part of like consent rules here because people are in different headspaces and it's making me uncomfortable from a distance so I don't know if it's making these women uncomfortable but I'd just like to let you know fucking perfect yeah if I yeah. could do that without getting all anxious and getting my heart rate up yeah that's <laughs> the problem then maybe that's what I should practice next time yeah 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 so I want to ask you then what does the future hold for you? You're moving back to Toronto. What do you want to do from here on with writing sex workshops? And what do you hope for, you know, sex positive communities? It's a great question. Thank you. Um, so for my future, I think one of the things I learned in New York that I, I'm not really made for the nine to five life. So I mm. think I need to have a variety of different endeavors Endeavors? That's like my first time using that word. Endeavors? Endeavors. Sounds like you're a millennial. (laughs) The millennial flight. Um, So I want to have a variety of different writing, speaking gigs, and workshops. Uh, So I'm going to keep working for the magazines I'm working for, but I'm always looking um, for new opportunities. I think I need to figure out where I most want my focus to be because part of me is thinking I need to start a podcast and talk to interesting people and do like the stuff you're doing because I find it so fascinating it's Um, a lot of work and it doesn't pay that's the thing right (laughs) (laughs) I feel like my editing skills don't exist Mm, you learn that as you go figure it out Um, but I also want to find a way to keep educating youth about consent and relationships and sex so I think I need to figure out exactly what that's going to look like for me but I'm not sure at the moment well you can uh, you you could definitely go on a bunch of podcasts and talk about your your sex ed stuff mm-hmm. right so kind of bring a, a workshop or a seminar thing and just talk about the things that you got to talk yeah. about this could be one this could be, yeah where, where you come back and, and i would we, love and to we do yeah. that angle that would be really cool i feel yeah. like i need to get better at the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> get better at the internet because <laughs> i feel like that's how people do it so i gotta step up my interweb game yeah um i could put you in touch with some podcasters aaron pym is one who also does a uh, really good show called the bed post oh podcast. yes i talked to her on the internet so maybe i'm not as bad as i think there you are see yeah, you got she the internet super cool i got the webs down yeah um but i see the future of the community just being i think you mentioned it earlier communication is the number one thing so right. people figuring out what they're into and feeling comfortable and safe to express it and i always tell the kids don't yuck my yum so a yeah. society yeah. like don't make people feel like shit for anything that they're into even if you yourself are not comfortable so it's like balancing knowing what your boundaries are but also feeling safe communicating what you are into or like trying new things because oftentimes you don't know what you're into until you're in a scene or you try it and you're like oh that was actually really enjoyable for me 
Yeah. So like openness. Being open, and that's very important. As I was watching that that BDSM scene, I've always been a top. I've never liked pain, and I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe I should just try it one day. Just, just it like go. let somebody take over and see. See how it feels. Yeah, see how it feels. As reluctant as I am. Yeah. I think I'd be more scared if I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'd be like, oh no! But then you have twice my as many d- opportunities. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I hope to have you on the show again, and we can I would do love to. like we could do a sex ed seminar. <gasps> that would be really incredible. That'd be great. I think it's timely too, especially if you know what's going on in Ontario and in Canada with this Sh- sex ed. Shit's curriculum. fucked. Yeah, shit's fucked. <laughs> another another masters. another <laughs> master's thesis quote. Shit's fucked. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for being uh, on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Nikki. Yeah. What do I do? Say the thing. Oh, I'm saying the thing. Okay. You're listening. Okay, sorry. I'll do it. Okay, got it. You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place for me to... You're listening to Intellectual... Bro, I'm fucking it up. You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where you... Damn it! You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty to stimulate your thinking. Wait, can I do that again?